Welcome to another episode of Ecumenical Musings. I'm Richard Tewton, and thank you for joining me as we look at the ecumenical world in Australia and other parts of the world. In this episode, we are focusing on the plight of refugees and asylum seekers. Refugee Week 2021 is being observed in Australia as I write and record this podcast. It heightens our awareness that a large section of the world's population is on the move because of violence, discrimination, economic conditions, persecution and natural disasters within their own countries. Refugees do not wish to leave their homes, towns and countries, but feel that they have no choice. They face great unknowns because they don't often know where they will eventually end up. Some refugees, such as those who have fled South Sudan and Africa, have been in refugee camps in Kenya for over 20 years. Camps such as this are found in various places, including Africa, Egypt and Jordan. This small list is not exhaustive, but it highlights the magnitude of the situation. If we shift our focus to Mexico for a minute, we find that people, men, women and children have walked or taken forms of public transport from different South American nations facing political, social and economic crises into Mexico and are currently camped at the border between Mexico and the United States of America hoping to somehow enter what they see and fully believe to be a more prosperous, peaceful and stable nation than the one they have left. Refugees and asylum seekers have gathered for many years in France, hoping to make the crossing to the United Kingdom. Some have resorted either to hitching a ride on freight trains using the Channel Tunnel or slipping onto trucks using the ferries that regularly cross the English Channel. Both are highly dangerous. Some have died trying. The UK spends millions of pounds each year trying to keep refugees from attempting these crossings with varied results. The Mediterranean Sea has been used by many refugees as a way to access Europe, especially Spain, Italy and Greece. Again, this has resulted in various outcomes. Many have died because their attempt has gone wrong. What about our part of the world? Australia has seen over the years a number of people trying to reach our shores by boat from Sri Lanka, Malaysia and Indonesia. Some have been successful, but many have been turned back. Governments around the world have initiated strict measures to limit those who arrive by these means. Refugees and asylum seekers have arrived according to a process that is controlled by the government of the day. But governments have been hard on those who they see as trying to enter a country illegally. I have painted a bleak picture because it is the reality that is happening on a daily basis, despite the threat of COVID-19 and other viruses affecting people as they travel. What I have mentioned so far is only the beginning of a very wide-ranging story that must continue to be told and which demands action from all of us. Whether it is illegal or not is often up to those who are either trying to enter a country or are championing their cause. People have arrived in this way and despite all efforts will continue to do so. Where do churches, especially those within the ecumenical scene, fit into this situation? 
The answer is quite a lot when we start digging and hearing their stories. The National Council of Churches in Australia formed the Australian Churches Refugee Task Force in 2012. It was established to promote a Christian vision of compassion and hospitality for people seeking asylum and refuge. Currently there are 18 full members and five observer Christian churches that form the task force. It was a great honour and privilege for me to be a member of the board for the period that I was General Secretary of Queensland Churches together. The main role of the task force has been to actively lobby politicians and organisations, particularly at the federal government level, on behalf of those seeking refuge and asylum. During my last years on the board, the task force's main focus were those in detention on Manus Island and Nauru. A lot was achieved, though sometimes it looked as if nothing was changing. From a personal perspective, I was able to be regularly in touch with the other members of the board, whose dedication and passion to assist refugees and asylum seekers often went above and beyond regular working hours and daily schedules. The task force work is ongoing and will always continue because the need will always be there. The Australian Church's Refugee Task Force is one form of advocacy. There are other more local organisations and groups that provide advocacy and practical assistance to refugees, asylum seekers and migrants who come to live in their communities. One such group is the Toowoomba Refugee and Migrant Services, based in Toowoomba on the Darling Downs in Queensland. Known locally by the acronym TRAMS, it has provided services to refugees and migrants who have arrived in Toowoomba to live, work and study for many years. These days its work is overseen by Catholic Care Social Services. The support offered by TRAMS allows refugees and migrants to become self-reliant and to participate in the community as soon as possible after their arrival. Their website lists the many services that are available to those refugees and migrants who now call Toowoomba home. It is great to see that many of the staff of TRAMS came to Toowoomba refugees and migrants themselves. These two ministries, one national and the other local, are not the only groups assisting refugees and asylum seekers on an ecumenical basis. Other church-based groups can be found right across Australia. They have provided vital assistance and support to those who have come to our shores from the troubled spots of our world. Why have churches been so involved in the task of caring for refugees and asylum seekers? What has been the driving force behind the very extensive work that has been operating for many years in some cases? These words from St Matthew's Gospel offer a thought about how churches and individual Christians have risen to challenges of caring for refugees and asylum seekers. In chapter 25, verse 35, we read, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Jesus' words resonate with all who work in this area of ecumenical ministry. The welcome given to refugees and asylum seekers has been appreciated and valued as they begin to settle into what they see as a strange and different land. From a Christian perspective, when a stranger is welcomed, then Jesus is being welcomed.
This verse has been the starting point for many groups and organisations that churches have formed over the years. In another passage from St Matthew's Gospel, this time chapter 2 verses 13 to 15, we read of the baby Jesus and his family fleeing to the safety of Egypt. They did so because, as the rest of the chapter explains, King Herod saw Jesus as a threat to his throne after the visit of the wise men. Thus Jesus and his family are seen as being refugees as they flee from Bethlehem to a country they may have heard about but had never visited. So assisting refugees and asylum seekers is seen by the ecumenical movement as lying at the heart of the church's DNA. These passages, as good as they are, do not fully explain the driving force to assist those who have come to our shores seeking peace and stability in their lives. I briefly mentioned earlier in this episode about the drive and passion of those who are board members of the Australian Church's Refugee Task Force. Another way of describing it is to use the word compassion. Compassion is often seen as good, but mysterious. It describes a feeling of being moved by the sufferings or misfortunes of others, along with a willingness to do something about it. It has often been said that Australians are very generous people when it comes to assisting those in need. Along with this generosity, we can also add compassionate. This causes them to respond in so many different and practical ways when natural disasters strike, as they regularly do through the course of any given year. The passages from St Matthew's Gospel give Christians a basis from which they can respond to the plight of refugees and asylum seekers. It fires their compassion, and so, like members of the wider Australian community, they respond to the need. This, of course, only reaches a small percentage of the total number of refugees and asylum seekers spread throughout the world. Many organisations such as the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, Red Cross and Red Crescent are hard, hard at work as well. There is a lot of cooperation between church and community-based groups. This assists in spreading often thin resources across an ever-widening situation. It would be great to think that eventually there would be no refugees or asylum seekers, because nations are at peace with each other and themselves. Unfortunately, this is not the case. And if the current news is any guide, all that can be seen is an escalation of an already tense and volatile situation. Some refugees and asylum seekers, especially those who have come to Australia by boat over the past few years, have found settling into the Australian community hard. Their resettlement is not easy because of the traumas they suffered in their home countries, along with current government policies that can restrict their ability to work, receive medical care and be adequately housed. The work of churches and community groups to address these issues has been greatly appreciated. As well as practical assistance to provide housing, medical care and some form of allowance so families can buy food and use public transport, a lot of lobbying has been going on behind the scenes to try and get governments to change their policies. A more humane approach would be very helpful. A lot then is happening 
to assist refugees and asylum seekers. This is why Refugee Week is very important, since it raises awareness and puts their needs into the public space. Greater awareness has often borne fruit, as in the case of the Tamil family, who were living in Bilawila, Queensland, but were moved into detention on Christmas Island and are now in the Perth community. This is only one case. There are many others that are equally in need of some public support. The role of churches working together on behalf of refugees and asylum seekers should not be underestimated. While all churches have their differences, working together for a common cause demonstrates to the wider community what can be done and often shatters the usual image that Christianity and religions in general are divisive and have no place in today's society. A lot has been achieved, as I've said, but that does not mean that everything has gone to plan and the desired outcomes have been achieved. Often everything has moved as a snail's pace, with little progress occurring for months or even years on end. The persistence of those involved in the care and advocacy of refugees and asylum seekers is measured by their great passion to create change and assist everyone who has come to Australia looking for peace and a more stable way of life. As well, there's been a concerted effort to change the narrative by using more affirming words and phrases to describe refugees and asylum seekers in conversation and through media releases and interviews. For example, the word illegal was initially used, along with others, as part of the description of those who came by boat in recent years. Illegal is still used in certain circles, but many have questioned the need to use such a word when refugees and asylum seekers who have arrived in this way, because to them it has been a last desperate method of getting to a place of safety. As I said earlier, refugees and asylum seekers don't choose to be refugees and asylum seekers. They would prefer to either stay or return to the familiar places where their families have lived for centuries. Unfortunately, that will not happen for many because of the volatile situation in their homelands. Often the familiar places have been destroyed or changed beyond recognition. Family members have been killed or they too have moved to different places. The best option is to settle in what they see as a strange place, but thankfully more peaceful than the places they have fled from. Churches and associated groups have been instrumental in this resettling process through assistance with language classes, the provision of accommodation, and generally showing refugees and asylum seekers who are able to live in the community how the basics of using our currency, accessing the supermarkets and public transport, and are supporting them as they navigate our health and welfare system. Please look out for refugees and asylum seekers in your local community and offer them, if you haven't already, friendship and hospitality. That way the pain and suffering they have endured can be lessened because they can feel that they have arrived in the safe and peaceful place they have been seeking. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ecumenical Musings. As I've said previously, you may not agree with everything I've offered. I hope, though, it has given you food for thought on this particularly important topic. I'm Richard Tewton and I look forward to being with you for another episode of Ecumenical Musings.